What is thy bidding, my master? There is a great disturbance in the force. the firepower of this fully armed and operational podcast. Fire at will, Commander. Commence primary ignition. (laughs) Subscribe to the Scarif Podcast. Click the button with all of your hatred. And your journey towards the dark side will be complete. (laughs) It is your destiny, you, like my followers, are now mine. Is your Star Wars canon? Does it matter how you enjoy Star Wars? Have you been doing it wrong all these years? Let's discuss. A new Star Wars fan discovers Star Wars and breaks the internet. Let's take a look at what people are saying about Mars' reaction to all things Star Wars. Let's talk Margate. So what does it mean to have a three-hour Star Wars movie, Knights of Ren, Rey's Origins, Palpatine's back? Hey, it's complicated, folks. Get your sunscreen and your blasters out, because it's time for the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. You've tuned in to the fastest-growing Star Wars podcast on this side of Moss Eisley. Grab your sunscreen and your blasters. This is the Scarif Podcast. All right, Scuttle Buddies, thanks for being here with us on episode 10 of the podcast. Episode 10, wow, this is a pretty special episode 10 for many reasons. Isn't that right, Alex? Yes, we are officially at full power on the Scarif podcast. We have all three major members of the team. Brad is back from a long time being away. How you doing, Brad? What's up? It's been a hiatus. Yeah, and uh, it's definitely great to be back. Uh, You guys have been doing a just phenomenal job with the podcast, keeping everything going strong, Uh, you know, since I had to uh, leave, take care of some some work stuff. But uh, it's it's been uh, it's been a nice break, but uh, uh, glad to be back on and uh, glad to uh, talk about some Star Wars again. It's great to have you back. You know, Alex and I have been holding the fort here uh, on Scarif Station and we're uh, we were having a good old time. I uh, hope you've had a, an opportunity to absorb some of our episodes, uh, some of them that we really like. Uh, you've seen how much people have been responding to our topics. The last one in particular, hashtag Star Wars Inspires. We had so many people contribute to that. Uh, we had to split it into two parts. A lot of people were chiming in. And uh, I know that was a, a favorite of Alex's, wasn't it, Alex? Did we lose Alex? I guess it wasn't a favorite of Alex's. We are no longer fully armed and operational. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, hey. <laughs> Alex, Damn you're it. on mute. Uh, all right, hit me up. What was the question? <laughs> hey. 
These are some uh, gold comedy moments. I was. <laughs> There's just two minutes you can just slice completely. Just go on. Yeah. So I was just uh, I was just kind of reiterating. I said uh, the last two episodes were great. Star Wars inspired, and I said. Uh, that you had uh, some favorite moments in those episodes, Alex, and I just asked uh, what you thought of those episodes. Oh yeah, totally, man. I, I'm I loved hearing from all the fans of the, of of Star Wars, not just our podcast, but of Star Wars, um, who share their feelings and how Star Wars has inspired them throughout the years and and in their professional life. Uh, we got to talk to uh, to Dominic Pace, which is really great. We have uh, somebody who's currently working on some modern Star Wars projects, which is awesome and. Uh, it was great. It was great to give, you know, some love back to the fandom and try to upbuild people. And, uh, I think that's enough mushy stuff for now though. Let's get a little, let's get a little hard now. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, a- Alex and I were talking about how mushy it was. It was very mushy. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to those two episodes. There was a lot of, uh, kumbaya moments there, brother. And, uh, I think we, uh, we needed to stir some, some pots a little bit more, but, uh, before we get into that, I wanted to uh, let everybody know that we have a few big items planned for the next hundred days or so. I know we're about that um, that many days off from the rise of Skywalker, but I think uh, as of this recording, this week marked only a hundred days left uh, till we get to see the end of this saga, the rise of Skywalker. And I'm excited and uh, kind of scared shitless at the same time. I don't know how <laughs> you guys are handling the uh, imminent end of the Skywalker saga, Alex. What do you think? Um, I'm nervously optimistic i think is the only thing i can say i don't know if they're going to be able to pull it off uh i do not envy jj abrams uh, he has a monumental job to do in this last movie and uh i i'm not i'm not gonna get my hopes as high as they were for like force awakens or last jedi and brad what do you think uh as much as i dislike quoting uh the last jedi uh it it has to end um <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> I, I'm with, with Alex on this one. Yeah. I definitely don't envy, uh, JJ on this one. I know he's going to, it's going to be, and I think we're going to talk about uh, the length of the movie here in a little bit, but you know, whatever the length of the movie is, it's going to be fan service the entire time. I mean, it has to be, um, but I'm fine with that. I am completely, if I saw the old star destroyers in the trailer, and that was the best, I think, half second of that. In, well, I mean, wasn't much of a trailer, if you ask me. But that, that one half second where the old Star Destroyers pulled up, to me, that, that was the best part. And that shows me that I think he's going to shoot for fan service. And I am quite all right with that. But I think it's good for the that saga to end. And that way we can open up to new eras uh, in the Star Wars universe. I would have to agree. Um, it, it, it is kind of scary, though, because it's 40 plus years of, of uh, Star Wars that's coming to an end. Uh, we are handing the torch over to the new generation. Uh, it's exciting. But like I said, I'm, I'm pretty scared. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, what we are all excited about uh, for Star Wars coming up. November is going to be quite a, a month for Star Wars. You've got Disney Plus, uh, you know, coming out. Uh, Alex mentioned that we talked to Dominic Pace. Uh, so he's excited that we have an insider uh, from The Mandalorian that's going to come on the show and, and talk about his experience with, uh, the, you know, being on the show. So that's fantastic. And another kind of insider, which uh, you guys will... Um, you guys will kind of geek out at this. Uh, we had recently uh, somebody that contacted us 
through Twitter that is listening to the show now. He is a special effects guru, and he's currently working on both the Rise of Skywalker and um, the Mandalorian. Uh, and he's, he sent me a message and said that he was downloading the two episodes to listen while he's working. So it's kind of a weird thing that our podcast is being played in the ears uh, exactly in the location where the Rise of Skywalker is being worked on. So that's, uh, that's kind of freaky to me. Yeah. What do you guys think? Yeah, that's pretty hot. I'm going to say the force is strong with this podcast. Hey guys, this is Andrew and Marisha from Coruscant Radio Underground, and we heard that Brad was back on the Scarab Scuttlebutt podcast, and we just wanted to say thank you for what you do, and welcome back. May the Force be with you. You know, that question that we had uh, regarding the long Star Wars movie, uh, we had a follower... Uh, who uh, just left us a voicemail a couple of uh, minutes ago? Um, Brad, did you uh, did you realize that we had a hotline, a Team Scarif hotline? <laughs> you guys have upgraded so much in in my uh, absence. <laughs> That's we were just a low budget podcast when I was on it last, and now you guys do all this fancy stuff. I can't. Keep oh up. yeah, um, we we uh, we've got a lot of plans, Brad, and uh, you came back at uh, the perfect time. So. One of our followers, 97 Bravo, uh, had a question that relates uh, specifically to one of our topics here. On the streets of Coruscant. What's going on, Scarab Scuttlebutt Podcast? This is 97 Bravo. Just calling to ask a question. Do you guys think that J.J. Abrams, in one movie, can undo the mess that The Last Jedi created? as well as wrap up the Skywalker saga. What do you guys think? You think you can do it? In under three hours, tidy up the whole thing. Make fans all kinds of crazy for Star Wars all over again, across all genres, across all political beliefs. What do you guys think? Can JJ do it? That's all I got. Take care and God bless. Uh, thanks for the voicemail, 97 Bravo. Like Alex said, J.J. definitely has his work cut out for him. And at this point, to say that he can bring everybody back together, I think I think that's a pipe dream at this point. I think he can definitely tie up some loose ends. I think he can give some fan service in there. And I think he can bring the Skywalker saga to a respectable close. What The Last Jedi did... Um, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to repair that, uh, but I think he can uh, mend the wound, so to speak. And I think he will have an ending that will, you know, pay homage to the original six episodes and make sense and, and make it work within the sequel trilogy. So I think I, I, I at this point, I still have faith in what J.J. can do with The Rise of Skywalker. Alex, what do you think? Uh, short answer is no. <laughs> I don't think he can. 
Um, so this is what my prediction is, and this is separate from my opinion about the movie because like we kind of talked about that already. But my what I think is going to happen uh, on my on the more pessimistic side is the movie. If it's if it's good, if it's an acceptable close, like Brad mentioned to the to the saga, and it it does a good fan service job of just kind of tying everything together and more or less kind of making people happy uh, with the movie. What's going to happen is the people who hated The Last Jedi are going to claim retcon, retcon, retcon. And the people who love The Last Jedi are going to say, no, this was all planned from the beginning. It all fit together. And there's still going to be that butting of heads at the end of the day where people are still going to argue about that. Um, my only hope is that that kind of dies down and we can focus more on the good that we see and then what's coming up next. Because this this trilogy is always going to be um, kind of a sore spot, I think it's going to be it's going to be hard for people to get over. Um, I'm, my hope is more towards the future of the franchise and what they're doing on Disney Plus with uh, Dave Filoni and John Favreau and uh, whatever they decide to do with uh, future films. I'm hoping that they can move forward and, and make some good stuff that everybody likes. But as far as the Rise of Skywalker, I think that's a that's just too much of a daunting task uh, to put on one movie. Uh, like I think we talked about before, I think the best we can hope for is a good sequel to The Force Awakens. Um, I don't necessarily even know if I'd want to say that the job of Episode Nine is to fix Episode Eight. Uh, I think it just needs to be good on its own, and and uh, like Brad said, just kind of tie up this trilogy and be done with it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> Hey, can, can I yeah, ask you guys? I, I, can I ask you guys a follow-up question on that? Sure. Do either one of you think that, and this is more broad, do either one of you think that a sequel trilogy was needed or desired at all, or do you think that the six episodes that we had told a complete story in and of itself? I'd like to take that one on first. I don't think a sequel trilogy was needed. In my opinion, the story of the sequel trilogy is a little disjointed from the rest of the films overall. We suspected that Luke and Leia went out and tried to, you know, rally the troops and try to figure out what to do with the galaxy and create a new republic. And I think I was okay with with that. I think, uh, you know, I just think... Uh, they took uh, many steps backwards to try and uh, recreate uh, the magic of what uh, the original Star Wars did, and I don't think it worked out. Um, is it needed? I, that's an interesting question because that comes up a lot with people, especially in like that are into film and stuff. Is our sequels really ever needed? Um, each movie, unless it's meant to be more than one movie, like it's supposed to be several stories tied together, similar to how. Um, the original trilogy was uh, e well even then you could argue that episode four is kind of a standalone movie luke saves the day at the end you know he he destroys the death star they go home happy the heroes win um is the sequel trilogy needed no i don't I, i'd argue that most sequels aren't needed uh, you know it is, is nice to see our heroes back on the screen to see what they're up to next so i can understand why somebody would want one um, I, of course, was hook, line, and sinker on where the heck was Luke Skywalker after 30 years of being an awesome Jedi. Uh, I was a little disappointed with what I got, but I did want to know. <laughs> it's time for the Jedi to end. I think it just comes down to, is there actually a story to be told? Um, and a, a good writer and, and somebody who has a good idea in their head, I think, can justify a sequel. 
Um, but unfortunately, what ends up happening most times is um, the, it doesn't hold up to what our imagination put out there. It doesn't hold up to the original that was out. It happens all. It's the sequelitis that Hollywood has to deal with all the time. I would say, yeah, my, I guess my final answer would probably be no. I don't think it was necessary. Um, although if it was good, we'd all love it, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Uh, I was gonna. I was gonna say that. Uh, you know, getting back to your comment about was was a sequel to the original Star Wars necessary? And obviously, George Lucas structured it in a way that he didn't realize that the movie would do any any you know anything, and he ended it, and it was a pretty good ending, and that was it. Um, it to his surprise, it was phenomenal. People accepted it, and the studio and and him, he they decided to to continue uh, telling the story. I I I want to ask you guys a, a follow follow up question to that. Would we be in? Okay, now this is obviously subjective. There are people that love The Last Jedi. There are people that don't love The Last Jedi. What uh, Do you guys feel that we would be in the same boat from a fan perspective if The Last Jedi was uh, more, I don't know, I guess universally accepted or less divisive or if we got maybe a storyline that, you know, told the story of Luke Skywalker in a way that maybe... Uh, was more universally accepted by the fans and the general moviegoers. Brad? Uh, you know, I can't, at this point, I can't even imagine that world. <laughs> what, is that, what does that world look like where we had a movie that we all enjoyed? Somebody made it, I think it was Alex may have made the comment, uh, somebody made a comment, you know, we all know that George Lucas was not the greatest director. George Lucas was not the greatest writer. Uh, episode two, you know where that stands on, on my uh, list of favorites. Um, I would, you can almost call that one cringeworthy, but you had the same, uh, voice, you know, the same voice throughout the entire prequel trilogy, whether you liked it with this one, they took away the influence completely of George Lucas. I think if he had had a little more, you know, the, the reasons why we all love the original six is because, you know, they were George Lucas's vision and he had an impact on, on all of them. And this one, you didn't, I don't, I don't know if there was a guiding voice behind the, uh, the arc completely. I, I don't know who that was, whether it's Kathleen Kennedy or, or what. Um, but you, you mentioned the fact that it was disjointed and, uh, I, I have a hard time even calling this a trilogy. Those are two completely separate movies. Yes. Those are two, those are two individual movies. Those are not, there is nothing that the last or the, the rise of Skywalker can do. I don't think to go along with what Alex is saying to make this a trilogy. It'll be a, it'll be a JJ movie. It'll be a Ryan movie and it'll be a JJ movie. It will not be a, it will not be a star Wars trilogy. You'll have two bookends with something in the middle, uh, whether you liked it or not. So, uh, I don't know. I think I got myself off track there, but yeah, no, but, and that's interesting too, because Alex and I, we, we talked about, uh, how the, the prequel trilogy episode one, two, and three were, were perceived when they first came out. And I, you know, remember thinking not, uh, not being too fond of episode one. (laughs) Um, and Alex, I don't know if you remember on a previous podcast, you had asked me what I thought the issue was as far as the uh, hatred of the prequel trilogy versus the hatred of uh, the, you know, the last Jedi and the sequel trilogy. I kind of made the comment that maybe 
you know, it was hated less because it was a unified voice uh, that came directly from George Lucas. Um, and I think you, you gave me a little pushback because you reminded me of those scenarios where people were writing songs about George Lucas destroyed my childhood and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, from that point of view, I, you know, I, I get where you're coming from. Yeah. Can I, I'm going to, uh, answer the question and then I'm going to, um, play devil's advocate for a second. Is that all right? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so my answer to the question, uh, as far as would, what would the world look like if, if the last Jedi was uniformly, uh, enjoyed? Um, I think there's really only one key element uh, that needed to change. As much as I didn't like the Canto Bite scene, as much as Rose Tico was kind of a strange character um, and her interaction with Finn was really weird and forced, if they would have changed Luke Skywalker to be more of the hero that we had expect him to be um, as, you know, growing up and watching him in the original trilogy and then moving forward, him being a Jedi Knight as he's older in age, the Obi-Wan of this trilogy... Um, I think a lot of people would have forgiven just about everything else about that movie. And we would all just be like, Hey, whatever, you know, even if it wasn't great, I still liked seeing Luke Skywalker back on screen. That would have, that would have immediately gotten rid of 90% of the disdain for this movie. I agree. That's the, that's the elephant in the room. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you talk to people, especially people who like the prequels, they're not ashamed to say that some of the more cringy things like Jar Jar Binks and all that stuff, they love that stuff. They don't care if it's goofy. Or if it's kind of dumb, they still loved it because it was Star Wars. And there's a lot of like kind of goofy, dumb things in The Last Jedi that easily would have been forgiven if Luke Skywalker was actually Luke Skywalker. But but Alex, Alex, what would you say to, you know, because there are those folks on Twitter <laughs> that say that they absolutely love the way that Luke Skywalker was portrayed in I The Last think, Jedi. Um. I'm not. I don't want to like insult anybody, but I think they're they're maybe being contrarian a little bit. They're just saying it because it was different. Oh, it was cool. It wasn't what I expected. He wasn't some knight in shining armor badass coming to save the day. He was just a human being. It was different. It was a cool take. I, I like that they changed things up. I mean, I, I don't understand that personally. I, I fundamentally disagree with that, as some would say. <laughs> um, but if that's how they feel, then I think they're I think they're just kind of thriving on on the contrarian aspect of liking something that a lot of people didn't like possibly that's just my take. Oh, um, but to play devil's advocate, like I was saying, there are some who, who claim that the force awakens and the last Jedi complement each other, mostly because all the things that we expected to happen in eight were fan theories. They weren't actually established in the force awakens. There was no through line where it specifically said, this is a map given to me by Luke Skywalker so that you could find him when the time is right. That's a fan theory. The map to Skywalker. We know you found it. And now you're going to give it to the First Order. Ray's lineage. All those were fan theories. The, nothing in The Force Awakens specifically pointed to her being related to anybody. So their reasoning behind that is just didn't match what you wanted to hear, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't connected. So what do you guys push back on that? That's just playing devil's advocate. Um, take it, take it away, Brad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, yes, they're fan. They were fan theories and I'm, I'm going to, I'll plug my, my Snoke article again. And, uh, I know, uh, Ro just reposted that a little bit ago on, on Twitter, but they weren't theories based off nothing. They were strongly hinted at in 
The Force Awakens. It's almost like J.J. had a vision as to where this was going. (laughs) So, yes, I desperately wanted Snoke to be Plagueis, and I still want Snoke to be Plagueis. But there was all kinds of, you know, as we we talked about uh, George R.R. Martin, uh, you know, many, many podcasts ago, you know, you don't drop hints just for the sake of dropping hints. They have to mean something later in the story. You don't create a character like Ray, who's clearly the chosen one in in this trilogy, and that's great, that's fine, and then make her parents a couple of drunks uh, that traded her for drinking money, if if that is indeed, I mean, see where J.J. goes with that one. Um, But you don't don't put that character there and then just say that she's a, a nobody. Uh, that's, I don't think that's where JJ was going. So yes, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, you know, they say disappointment is the difference, the Delta between expectations and reality. We had high expectations for the last Jedi. I remember being at star Wars celebration, Orlando, when they first showed the trailer and we were all pumped. I mean that the trailer was there and yes, it was, it was confusing, when Luke said it was time for the Jedi to end, but that's okay. We like that sort of confusion when we see a trailer. So yes, it is the difference between expectations and reality, but I don't think it's without merit. You know, we, JJ planted those hints on purpose in the force awakens and Ryan just completely chose to go away from. And I think that's where a lot of the angst comes from. Yeah, that's interesting because, uh, you know, there is a narrative trope called Chekhov's gun, and I'm sure you guys are uh, familiar with the adage, uh, it's a dramatic principle that states that every element in the story must be necessary, Uh, elements should not appear to make false promises, Uh, getting back to that, so, uh, you know, everybody complains about, uh, well, you know, why didn't we see the Knights of Ren? Uh, why didn't we uh, explore, you know, this from The Force Awakens that was set up so cleverly and uh, Episode Eight just didn't uh, didn't deal with it? Uh, and, and obviously the Knights of Ren are a big, um, big part of that. Uh, they were these characters that appeared uh, out of nowhere in a dream sequence and it was an intriguing concept. But uh, Episode Eight had no um, no telling of the the further, uh, you know, adventures of who these people were. And uh, again, playing devil's advocate, I'm going to uh, mention a post um, that was posted a while back regarding that. Uh, and you guys are familiar with Star Wars Junkman, you know, tongue in cheek. He usually uh, likes to mess around with people. Um, you just have to know how to take him. But he has he had posted kind of a similar kind of uh, mocking kind of a post regarding the bounty hunters and the Empire Strikes Back and how in uh, you know you didn't see them you didn't uh, know where they came from you didn't uh, you know hear more about who these bounty hunters were. Let let me ask you this: like, how different is that uh, setup of Chekhov's gun per se versus the Knights of Ren when it comes to the films? That is so. That is. I, oh, junk man! I just want to. <laughs> that is so ridiculously different. It's not even funny. Okay, the the bounty hunters were called. They are, they are, <laughs> they are bounty hunters. They're for hire. The one shot guys for hire to do one specific job. That's all the setup that you need for a bounty hunter. Kylo Ren, the quote unquote main character of the sequel trilogy, besides Ray, is 
the master of the Knights of Ren. You, you know, Darth Vader's not the master of the bounty hunters. Otherwise, we would be like, hey, where the heck is uh, Darth Vader's, you know, dudes at? Where are they at? What, what are they doing? Then that would be an equal standing. But no, it, Kylo Ren is the master of the Knights of Ren. It's a line from the movie spoken by Snoke. That line specifically makes you think, okay, there needs to be a backstory for this. How did Ben Solo become master of these Knights of Ren? Who's Ren? Why are they knights? What? <laughs> like, it brings up all these questions. You never had those questions about the bounty hunters in Empire Strikes Back because nobody gave a crap. They were just bounty hunters hired by the Empire to find Han Solo, and that's it. So those two comparisons... Those two comparisons are so freaking far away from each other, it's not even funny. Sure, yeah, and the bounty hunters, you knew what their function was. Yeah. And you did see one of those bounty hunters <laughs> later on uh, finally capture the bounty. So, yeah, I, I, I get what you mean. And it's not, yeah, in episode six, they're, they're bounty hunting somewhere else in the galaxy. We talked about this, What it's, it's because it's awkward. The absences are awkward. The Last Jedi is literally five minutes <laughs> after The Force Awakens. The Knights of Ren are just gone. And not only that, there's other absences that are awkward too. Um, Poe's whole squadron, you know, Snap and, and the other one, Snap Wexley and, and the other ones that we, he flew with uh, on Starkiller base are just gone. And now then they got to make all this the, well, I mean, some people love the comic book, so I'm not going to judge them. They got to, they got to have all these other forms of media to try to explain the absence. It's not just that they're, it's awkward in their absence in The Last Jedi. You know, that's a good, that's a good point, Brad. Uh, you and I talked about that uh, a while ago in a, in a previous podcast. You know, there's another book that's coming out, I think, closer to the release of The Rise of uh, Skywalker. And you know how a lot of people really had an issue with the portrayal of Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi. Well, there's a book that will explain why Luke is grumpy Luke. It's a it's a it's a book that and I forgot what the name of the book is. It's being released, but it basically tells from Luke's point of view uh everything that Luke thought of uh regarding the Jedi. And I'm sure It's not another it's not another first person, is it? Please tell me it's not yeah, like another it, it is. It is. It's uh it's oh, it's God. Luke telling the story of what he thinks, what he really thinks about the Jedi Knights. Uh, throughout the years, and I guess this book is supposed to help explain why Luke lost faith in the Jedi, and it will explain why Luke is the way he is in The Last Jedi. And that's one thing that bothers the crap out of me is, uh, you know, talk about a movie that should stand on its own two feet. We get all this ancillary material, all these additional uh, books and comics and, and stories yeah. that, uh, to me, unfortunately, uh, this is my opinion, you know, I love the extra stuff, but Braden, you know, we talked about this before, the extra stuff should enhance things and items that were already established, not help explain the shortcomings of, of, of a written story. And I feel that <laughs> yeah. all of this stuff that's coming out, you know, Age of Rebellion, Snoke number one, uh, General Hux, the story of how, you know, why he's such an asshole, et cetera. All that stuff is 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 helping to explain the shortfallings of uh, a script that was created for the middle story of this sequel trilogy. 
but that's how we feel. And uh, again, you know, you, you guys are welcome to chime in on Twitter. Let us know what you think. Alex, what do you what do you think of all that extra stuff that kind of helps explain uh, some of these uh, items that we're talking about? Um, I, I agree with you guys on a surface level. Like, yes, it's kind of showing the faults of the movies that they have to explain all this stuff in order for the movies to make sense, which that's a flawed way of, of creating content, honestly. But on the, on the bright side, there are a lot of extra material out there that Disney is making that is doing, is doing what the extra material is supposed to be doing. My, my favorite instance that I always go back to is uh, lost stars by Claudia gray. Um, that, that book takes place from right after uh, the end of the, um, the clone wars in episode three, all the way past up to um, the battle of Jakku and uh, pre the force awakens. And it, it follows these two kids uh, who end up growing up and end up being on either side. One's a rebel alliance. The other one is the empire. And it's a great, fantastic book that it fills in a couple of small little gaps here and there with some interesting, intriguing hints towards what's going on um, outside of the movies. Uh, And it also fills, um, fills these little gaps in the original trilogy. Even they have moments where she bumps into Darth Vader immediately after the destruction of the death star. And you're like, Oh, that's so cool. Like these are really, really cool moments. And I'm sure that there's other books. Uh, Claudia Ray has Claudia gray has written several books for Disney. um, That as far as I can, as far as I've heard, they're all solid books. They're solid additions to the extended universe that Disney is creating. So in some instant, can I, uh, I'm just going to say in some, in some instances they're doing really well. And in others, they're almost forced to try and uh, answer some questions that fans have that are obviously missing from the films. Yeah, I'd like to uh, bounce off what Alex is saying there. You have a book like Lost Stars on one end, which I completely agree with Alex on. Fantastic book. It's classified as young adult, but I don't I think anybody can read it and enjoy it. And what that book does is supplement the movie. Mm-hmm. It fills in the gaps. It gives the destruction of Alderaan from the Imperial perspective. Yeah. You know, these terrorists uh, just, you know, they, they attack this and this is retaliation. So, you know, it supplements it and it provides a different point of view, as Obi-Wan Kenobi said. You know, so it, it gives you some insight. You have that kind of book on one end and then you have some of the other literature that's come out recently. Uh, one I just read a few days ago was the Admiral Haldo one. <laughs> where she's torturing a plant. Oh, that's right. Uh, for for her hair dye <laughs> to dye her hair purple, and this is everybody's hero somehow, and she's literally torturing this plant to yeah. for hair dye. And by the way, going back to Claudia Gray, if you read the Leia Princess of Alderaan book, uh, that's completely contradictory to how Haldo acted in that. Uh, book where she was pretty much a Greenpeace hippie in in Leia Princess of Alderaan, and here you got her just torturing a plant for some purple hair dye, and then providing the backstory for the Haldo maneuver, which nobody asked for. <laughs> uh, we didn't need to learn how she learned how to fly through other ships. Nobody cares about that. So, and then even going back, to, you know, you mentioned the bounty hunters and Empire Strikes Back. We had some throwaway books back in the day. If you remember the Bounty Hunter Wars. You know, and we had the the tales from Moss Eisley Cantina. You know, you can consider those throwaway books, but they were just for entertainment value. You know, what was, you know, Boss doing, you know, on this planet? And that's, you know, those were just for entertainment. They weren't necessary to make the story complete. So that's the difference. 
I agree with everything you said, Brad. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's it's an interesting thing. And then we've got, like I said, we've got these one shots. Uh, I picked up a couple of them. Uh, somebody just posted a review of Snoke, Age of what is it? What are they called? Yeah. Age of Resistance. Age of Rebellion. Yeah, yeah. Charles Soule has uh, the, the origins of the Knights of Ren that uh, he's working on. I think that comes out in either November or early December. And, uh, you know, mm. we're big fans of Charles Soule, but uh, it would have been nice to have seen uh, the origin of the Knights of Ren in a film. You know, we uh, we would uh, need a TARDIS to go back in time and try to figure things out here because uh, I, I don't know, man. You know, to give credit where credit is due, you somebody mentioned the the Hux story that came out and that was, I thought actually a pretty good story uh, for a comic book. It was, it was rough. Um, but, Oh yeah, you know, it was uncomfortable. Oh, it was definitely uncomfortable, but you know, that, you know, that a- actually added to his character and his father is mentioned. Uh, one of the, is it the, uh, the aftermath series is where his uh, father is sort of a prominent character. So it, it's good to see, um, that, that bit of backstory. So I will say that the hooks comic book that came out recently definitely adds to his character. I would agree. I would agree. I'll have to check that out. Cause I actually was a huge uh, fan of hooks, uh, from the force awakens. I thought he was a really cool character and I loved the, um, the older brother dynamic he had with Kylo Ren, where he was trying to str- um, throw him under the bus and get approval from Snoke. And uh, and speaking of Snoke, did you guys check out that other comic book where Snoke took um, Ben Solo down to Dagobah to the cave? I saw some panels of it, and uh, the don't spoil it. I haven't read it yet. Yeah. Um... <laughs> okay, I won't. I won't spoil it. But I won't. I won't spoil it. But it's a good example of like it's a cool. It might be a cool backstory or you know a little supplemental information if it didn't bring up more questions than it answered. I'm like. How does Snoke know about the cave on Dagobah? <laughs> like that was supposed to be like a secret that only Luke knew about. Yeah. And and you're right. Getting back to uh you know who is Snoke? You know, supposedly he was there from the very beginning, so he's a character that uh, supposedly had been there through the uh formation of the empire. He saw the empire go through its thing and and uh now at the end of the process, he wants to, you know, control the galaxy. So Hopefully we'll learn a little bit more about uh, Snoke and his uh, origins. Uh, obviously, people are also kind of speculating there's a character in the Oculus Rift uh, Vader Immortal game that people are uh, kind of saying that uh, is uh, Snoke in, in that um, gameplay. So uh, it's uh, it's very interesting, um, but uh, we will have to wait till December to find out the answers to all of these wonderful questions. He's still Plagueis. <laughs> I hope he is. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And you believe the final component of the Eon engine is within your grasp? I have no doubt. You found a descendant of Lady Kovacs then? One of the last, it would seem. Unlike the others, this one activated the artifact. Something wonderful has happened. Annie. 
All right, it's time to pay the bills. Hey, I'm excited. We got a new sponsor on the podcast. Alex, why don't you tell the folks what we got? What's up, Star Wars fans? Today's episode of the Scarif Podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Organically Wonderful. Organically Wonderful is a small business that is dedicated to bringing you 100% pure, organic, non-toxic beauty products like dry shampoo and body oil. And if you go to their website and check out the list of things that you can buy, and then when you buy them, you can type in ScuttleBuddies15 and get 15% off your entire purchase. That's ScuttleBuddies15 for 15% off. Head on down to OrganicallyWonderful.com and say thank you to Organically Wonderful for bringing you the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast. And may the force be with you. So recently, the internet has been a buzz. Is that a word? Uh, with a fan who is is new to Star Wars, new to Star Wars fandom, uh, she goes by Mar, uh, and uh, she's you know been active on, or she's been on Twitter for a while, but just recently, she became a fan of Star Wars, and somehow, uh, miraculously, she blew up. And now everybody's talking about her. What do you think about uh, our, our new mega fan of Star Wars? Um, I thought it was quite interesting. And I, I saw a lot of people kind of roll their eyes because, of course, she praised The Last Jedi. Um, but I went back and I tried to investigate like where this all started. And I went to the original tweet and I found that she had actually done this for every single Star Wars movie that's been out. She started with episode one and she moved all the way down the franchise till she got to episode eight. It is a little weird that episode eight was the catalyst for her uh, going viral and getting the attention of uh, people like Ryan Johnson and Mark Hamill. Before that, like she had been tweeting for a while about Star Wars and, you know, it got a medium amount of attention for the amount of followers that she has. But it wasn't until episode eight where people started recognizing and seeing it and she got a bunch of attention about it. So I thought that was kind of weird. I, I don't I'm not really on the bus of whether it's like some kind of Lucasfilm plant to uh, to bring up buzz about Star Wars. I'm not really, I don't buy that quite yet. I'd have to see some more evidence to support that. But uh, I, I just, I actually kind of enjoyed reading some of them, even if it was for the movie that I didn't like, um, especially the prequels. I'm not a huge fan of the prequels and, and episode eight, of course, not a huge fan, but I was watching her live tweeting it and they were freaking hilarious, man. Some of the nicknames she had uh, for Poe Dameron was like hot man running and uh, I think um, uh, Finn was like cinnamon bun or something like that. It was actually quite endearing and kind of funny. And I, it made me chuckle a little bit. And I think there was a couple of moments where she actually said like, WTF, Luke, what are you doing? So it actually kind of establishes like, yeah, this is kind of unexpected for his character. So despite what some people are saying, I just kind of thought it was funny. And I'm, I'm all right with somebody being brand new to the franchise and just kind of jumping in head first and showing their love for it. I'm, I'm down for that. Now you said she had previously tweeted about uh, some other some of the other Star Wars movies. I thought she was brand new to Star Wars. Uh, well, I mean, when I say old, I mean like maybe a couple of days or so. I'd have to go back and look and and track down what the tweets, the dates were on the tweets, but they were all gotcha within a short period of time, a couple of days or so, I think. All right. Well, I hate to disagree with you, Alex. No, by all means. But I don't buy. <laughs> 
I don't buy it at all. I, I, I just don't buy it. Uh, here's why. Very little happens organically. You can post the meaning of life on Twitter and you might get two likes and one retweet on the meaning of life. And you could have the most profound tweets ever and, and they get no attention. And then you have... Unless the meaning of life is coupled with pictures of cats. <laughs> exactly. Unless Grumpy Cat is talking about the meaning of life, in which case it gets 48 million retweets. <laughs> you know, you could have, you know, a dog doing a trick and it, and it, and it blows up. Well, you, you know what? That doesn't happen organically. Something drives that to happen, uh, whether it's uh, forces behind it, whether it's bots behind it, whatever the case may be. Uh, if there's a company behind it, something made that blow up. I would love to believe that. And, you know, we here at the Scare of Scuttle have been trying since we started to bring the fans together. And so I am not going to discount a fan if it is indeed what she is. And if she is, that's great. But my problem with it is there's already seeds of divisiveness. She talked about going on the Star Wars show uh, soon, and she may have, I think she already recorded it, and it may have already. Um, that from her about, you know, if she gets any grief from going on the Star Wars show, then F the haters. Oh, no. You know, I was not aware of that. <laughs> why would you say that? What what compels you to? And I, I want to say it was in all caps. I believe it was, you know, F the haters. If if and just bring it, you know, what that is that is bait, you know, and people fall for the bait. They respond to it. And then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And then she can say, or they can say, yep, there, there you go. There's the, the sexist, misogynist person there. Look at their, look at them. They're a racist, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Falling for the bait. There is, if you have nothing but love for the saga, then just keep it at that. There is absolutely no reason for a tweet like F the haters. That is extremely divisive. And it's the last thing that we need now. In the Star Wars community. Well, especially well, especially if she is supposedly a, a new Star Wars fan, how would she right? How would she know to to say that, or how would she know to frame it right. uh, like that? So, and the other thing that I found weird is that she's got almost thirty thousand followers, and I, I wish there was a way to find out when those followers were aggregated to her account. If they were recent, then obviously it's because of this momentum that has been created by watching the Star Wars films. But if if perhaps maybe she was somebody else and she switched the account over and those, you know, those numbers kind of uh, were married to this account, uh, because it says she joined October 2013. She's got close to 30,000 followers. She's only following less than 5,000 people. And it says fan account. But it's uh it's very generic and uh, slightly suspicious. But uh, originally, when I heard about that, I I you know tweeted from the account that it was a shame that people were doing that. But the more and more that I saw, you know, I'm not a I'm not that big of a conspiracy theorist per se. But uh, it it did kind of raise a flag flag hmm. for me. I was not aware of some of that information. I'll have to dig a little deeper and see what else I can see. I just kind of took it at face value when I read it. Um, I think it was a much smaller account before that. Um, hmm. uh, there's no other way of tracking. I'm sure there's some way of tracking that down. I don't know how to. But it was a smaller account before this whole thing. And, and again, I'm going to reiterate before I get any hate mail on this um, that you know I love Star Wars fans, but do us all a favor. 
and don't bring more divisiveness into the community. There is absolutely no reason for that. And if you disagree with things, fine, say it. But, you know, talk about things, not about people. You know, if you want to just have a debate about The Last Jedi, that's great. But keep it to The Last Jedi, not the people with their own views on the movie. Hmm. And that's my two cents on that. Did you say that uh, she was asked to go on on the Star Wars show? Yep. (laughs) Speaking of Star Wars show, (laughs) I think Alex knows where I'm going with this. Uh, (laughs) Your claim to fame? My claim to fame. So, yeah, uh, recently I just tweeted at uh, Andy Gutierrez of the Star Wars show uh, and asked her to use the word scuttlebutt in a sentence. I did that for Mark Hamill, too. Mark didn't respond, but Andy did. Thank you very much, Andy. And uh, she just says, the scuttlebutt was large and feathery, and she attached a gif of a uh, Disney cartoon bird. I'm not sure what movie it is, but uh, she also noted that- It's a little mermaid. Okay. And she says, now what you're looking for, I assume. But uh, (laughs) I really didn't care because she tweeted back. So- well, thank you to Andy, but uh, I'm pretty sure you said that Mark didn't respond. I just want to throw it out there again that uh, our camel followed me once. So I'm just putting that out there. Oh, that's right. So I win. All right, guys. On that note, I am going to sign off of the Scarab Scuttlebutt uh, transmission. I've got some other business I have to attend to. Thanks, Alex. All right, Alex, thank you very much for joining us. We will uh, see you out there on Scarab Station. Until next time, uh, we will uh, talk to you later. Brad and I will continue, and uh, we'll we'll catch you next time. All right, guys, have a great night, and thanks for listening, everybody. Test, test, one, two. Greetings, Star Wars fans. This is Andrew from Coruscant Radio Underground. You're listening to the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. All right, and uh, we've got a question from one of our favorite Scuttle Buddies, Shannon Smith, Scuttlebutt SS. You know, I was listening to our friends, Andrew and Marisha, over at uh, Coruscant Radio Underground. They have been busy with Dragon Con. They have been busy with moving. They have their new setup, and it looks fantastic. They recently tweeted a picture of their new space, and I can't wait to... uh, get with them again and do another mega crossover episode. If you guys remember, we did a mega crossover episode with Coruscant Radio Underground, The Legacy of Leia Organa, part one and two uh, on each other's podcast channels. It was fantastic. If you haven't listened to that, uh, run, don't walk to uh, our previous broadcast. But uh, I was listening to their podcast and they were talking about how they were talking a little bit about the failure or perceived failure of Han Solo, the, the, the movie, and, the, and they were talking about how some of the issues were uh, the casting and how um, the actor was, was great, but uh, nobody can picture anyone else other than Harrison Ford being this iconic character. 
and uh, to a certain degree, I uh, to a certain degree, I, I agree. They also pose the question about uh, how another actor would be perceived in an iconic role, and a lot of people were saying that Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things would be a fantastic Leia. Marisha was talking about how Millie Bobby Brown is very popular. And uh, the actor that played Solo was not as popular in previous uh, films. And so there was no buzz. There was no excitement uh, where if Lucasfilm would have announced a Millie Bobby Brown Leia series that people would go crazy. What uh, what are your thoughts on that, Brad? Well, first off, I think Millie Bobby Brown would be a fantastic choice. Uh, This goes back to our previous conversation. Do we need any more Leia material? Any basically that would be Leia prequel material. I would personally say no on that in general because we already have Leia Princess of Alderaan from Claudia Gray, which you know tells the story uh, of Leia before Episode Four. So do we need it? No. Uh, but if they did do it, I think she would do a fantastic job. Not only are there physical similarities between her and Leia, but she's also a phenomenal actress uh, for being at such a young age. Uh, she she can really carry some emotion. So I think she would do a great job as far as solo goes. You know, I wouldn't have envied anybody that was casted in that role there. It's not just solo. As you said, it's Harrison Ford. There is only one Harrison Ford getting another person to play Indiana Jones at the, you know, the young Indiana, uh, Indiana Jones Chronicles that has sort of a cult following, but it never did that. Well, uh, I don't, I wouldn't envy anybody trying to play a Harrison Ford role. You're not going to look exactly like him and you're not going to act like him. So, you know, I, I don't, I think he did a, I think he did a fine job with the role as far as, you know, if he tried to be more like Harrison Ford, it would have looked extremely forced and it would have been extremely awkward. So I, I don't blame him. Again, this, I think, goes back to the broader question of was that movie necessary at all? While I completely enjoyed Solo, I think it's a fun movie. I mean, it's it's fun to watch, but is it necessary? No, they were never going to cast the right people to make uh, everybody happy in Solo. But uh, yeah, it seemed like a an uphill battle from from start to finish. And then you know, you know, changing yeah. directors mid movie or you know, actually late in the game, I think it was. Um, you know, that's those those were the bigger issues with Solo. You had the director issue and then you have the fact of its close close release to the last jedi five what five months later uh after the last jedi and people are still we're still trying to figure out what they just watched you know did they did they like what they just saw or what was that and then you have another star wars movie which they failed completely to advertise in, in a legitimate fashion so i i don't blame the actors at all i think they did uh, a pretty good job for what they were handed. Yeah. So uh, Shannon's question specifically uh, was related to to that uh, as far as Leia and recasting and stuff like that. But as far as characters goes, Shannon asks who like who's likely to show up in a Kenobi series. And uh, I I know you know the announcement that uh, Ewan McGregor is reprising his role as Obi Wan Kenobi. We are very excited about that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it would be interesting to know uh, what uh, the story is going to be. But who do you think we would see showing up in a Kenobi series? Well, I think some people may have may have mentioned Maul. I think I saw Maul tonight. 
but I don't think it would be Darth Maul because we we saw that on Star Wars Rebels and you know he, he didn't see Maul for for years later. But since he is on Moss Eisley, I think a lot of what the story is going to be around is going to be the different cartels. So I think you might see more into the Hut cartel. So I think it will be filled with a lot of newer characters. If it is filled with or if or if there are any cameos, I think it will most likely be characters maybe mentioned in the comic books or perhaps from the uh, either the Clone Wars uh, or the Star Wars Rebels. I, I think uh, one character, and I'll, I'll go out on a limb and say uh, uh, Hondo Tanaka would actually be a really great character to see on the Obi-Wan uh, series because uh, yeah. he's there you know, ahead of that, and he's there after the fact. We, we know he's alive uh, after the original trilogy. So having a character playing Hondo would be pretty interesting if they can be true to his character from the cartoons. Um, but besides that, I think we're going to see a lot of fresh new faces on that, mostly focus on different. I think you're going to have some, some Imperial presence there, you know, with uh, ISB trying to track him down. Maybe some of the, uh, some of Vader's folks, you know, the, the sisters, the Inquisit Inquisitorious. Uh, uh, the, um, yep. uh, so you might, you might see them, yeah. but a lot of it will be, you know, character based, you know, how did, you know, how did Obi-Wan morph from what he was at the end of episode three to the wise old hermit that he was in episode four. So I think it's gonna be a lot of new faces on that show, but I'm very excited about it. Yeah, I'm very excited. It, it would be very interesting to see Owen Lars. Um, what's the actor's name? Uh, Edgerton? Oh, I forgot his first name. But it would be really cool to see Owen Lars uh, interplay with Obi-Wan because how does, Obi uh, how does Owen... How did Owen know to tell Luke that uh, that uh, Ben Kenobi guy's a crazy old wizard? Right. It'd be really great to see some interaction there. Uh, yeah, and he did he did a pretty good job with that. Um, I'm not sure how much he's how much he's aged since uh, the the prequels. Um, I think Ewan McGregor's the the right age perfectly for this series. Um, yeah. But uh, I'm not sure how well, or maybe he's aged too well. Uh, the guy that played uh, Owen. But yeah, it would be it would be cool to see. I, I think he's got to be on there at some point. Sure. And you know, talking about the crime cartels, that is one of the aspects of Solo that fascinated me uh, when I saw the film the first time. And if uh, if we do see the crime cartels, like you said, uh, then I really hope that uh, somehow we get to see a continuation of Solo. Uh, that would be a ripe um, platform to see uh Boba Fett in action and uh but I would love to see more more crime cartel more uh of that underworld that we saw in Solo because it really really fascinated me how the uh criminal underworld was kind of working hand in hand with the uh with the empire and you saw some evidence of that in uh in the Solo film especially when um the crime bosses were chasing uh Solo and Kira in the uh the airport transport area there, uh, you can definitely tell that um, that the Empire was not really in control of that location. It it, it was tongue and you know kind of it was it was the I guess the the turf of of the uh, crime syndicate because uh, take a look at uh, those scenes again and the relationship between that crime boss that entered with those uh, those 
dog hounds uh, versus those stormtroopers. The stormtroopers seemed like they were being pushed around a little bit. Those crime bosses didn't really care. So that, that to me, that was kind of an interesting dynamic. Oh, yeah. And those those make for the most interesting stories. We talk about enhancing the story. You know, it, it was kind of confusing uh, that the, the Mandalore arc on the Clone Wars, where he killed, uh, the Emperor killed Savage Opress, but he kept Darth Maul alive. And he said, you know, hey, don't worry, I got other plans for you. And then they just left it open-ended like that. And then come find out, Darth Maul is the head of the Crimson Dawn crime syndicate, which means that you know for a fact that, you know, the the Empire is working with the crime syndicates. And so that's, you know, and it's got a lot of historical precedent, which I think makes a lot of, you know, you have the, in the past, you have the FBI trying to crack down on the on the mafia. Meanwhile, the CIA is using mafia personnel to carry out some jobs. And so you have, right. you know, you have these crime, you know, they're, they're working, they're working for some and, you know, they're working against others. And then the two different branches of the, of the government agencies, they don't know that they're not sharing information with each other. So it makes for a really interesting dynamic, like you said, and some pretty interesting stories. And then you'd have people like uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and little Luke Skywalker caught right in the middle of it, where you have the, you know, Hut cartel against Crimson Dawn with the ISB trying to track him down at the same time. Of course, I'm speculating on all of this, but uh, I think I think it makes for some really interesting stories. We have our army now. I have a plan to undermine Satine. The army is weak. We are not ready for the Duchess. With my plan, we won't need a bigger force. There is only one plan. One vision. I uh, somebody posted on Twitter a while ago. Wouldn't it be fantastic for the last scene in the Obi Wan Kenobi series? Show the moments right up before the great uh, Rebels uh, episode where uh, Maul and Obi Wan Kenobi duel for the uh, the last time. <sighs> Look what has become of you, a rat in the desert. Look what I have risen above. I have come to kill you, but perhaps it's worse to leave you here, festering in your squalor. If you define yourself by your power to take life, the desire to dominate, to possess, then you have nothing. And then it just cuts to black right before the the lightsabers ignite. That would be how phenomenal would that be? Of of course, people that know the story of uh, where Darth Maul ended up and uh, their final meeting with uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. I think that would be kind of a really awesome moment, almost like uh, the Sopranos. It, it would be an awesome moment, and it would go along with what we're saying as far as the crime syndicates. You know, that's how you can interweave that with Crimson Dawn. So, and I think you, I'm not sure, uh, you know how many seasons they're signed up for right now? Or have they said at all? No, no. Yeah, but I think as far as time period goes, you need to lean it towards episode four, either right after episode three or closer to episode four. But I think the right answer is closer to episode four. So that would make a lot of sense, ending it right near that Darth Maul episode.
What else do we got, Brad? Have you been doing Star Wars wrong? Is your Star Wars canon? You know, Ollie, uh, you know our um, mm-hmm. follower, Ollie? Yep. Hey there, Scuttle Buddies. This is Ollie K coming to you from... That's right, Chewie. We're sitting here on the beaches of Sunny Scarif, just enjoying the sun today and thinking about a Star Wars question that's kind of been ruminating around my brain. The question that I have, and for all the Scuttle Buddies out there, is does your Star Wars have to be canon? Now, I get it. When it comes to movies and stuff like that, we kind of want everything to tie in together and stuff like that. But the way that I see it, no. Now, to quantify that statement, I'm just saying as far as the books go, as far as the comics go and stuff like that, give me a story. You know what? I've always wanted to read a story about, I I don't know, Darth Vader getting his costume changed. I assume there's more than one or whatever you want to call his costume. Or the Emperor just sitting down and getting angry at some guy because they bought him the wrong sushi. Or for goodness sakes, you know the Emperor has some paperwork or something like that to do. I want to read a story about something like that. Do I want to see a two and a half hour long movie? Probably not. Do I want to watch a TV episode? Sure, I'll watch it. Do I want to read a book? Yeah, I would love to read something like that. Cartoons, they don't have to be canon. Books, nah, they don't have to be canon. Movies, for that matter, they don't have to be even canon either. Just as long as they're entertaining. For me, Star Wars is 65% characters and 35% story. So, when it comes to the grand scheme of things, no. My Star Wars doesn't have to be canon, and I'm sure everyone has a C-3PO in a sombrero hat, or Darth Vader drinking a gin and juice, or even Mickey Mouse dresses Boba Fett somewhere else, somewhere in their house. But those are not canon. Anyways, that's just a question that I pose for all the scuttle buddies out there. Hope you guys have a great evening. Bye. Ali's so funny. He's really <laughs> that's awesome. He's really, really great. Uh, very supportive. I-, I tell you what, we only got five f- five fans, but uh, they love us, and we love them. So. I, pre- yeah. I appreciate all five of them. <laughs> hey, Scarif, it's Coruscant Radio Underground, and we are here to talk about hashtag Are You Star Warsing Wrong? All right, so it's an interesting question, especially with the divisions in the fan base. And yes. The divisions in the fan base, unfortunately, aren't new. No, they're um, really not. They really go back mostly to the 90s mm-hmm. when... We'd have to ask our parents or especially your dad if they were a thing in the 70s. So, yeah, I mean, really kind of in the 90s when the prequels came out was probably the first big division. Yep. Was where we saw the old school fans just kind of just kind of yawned. They said, that's not Star Wars. And you know what? I have absolutely no problem with somebody saying taking something that they enjoyed as a kid. Uh-huh. Because for a lot of people that's what it was. They fell in love with those three movies right. as kids. And that was the end of it for them and that's their perfect little place. Mhm. And they really don't care about anything outside of those three movies. That's fair. And it and it might not even be a matter of whether those movies are good or bad or just that this is theirs and then they you know some people grow up and they kind of lose that childlike wonderment that you really have to have a little bit of to right. enjoy fantasy. And so this was something that worked for them in this specific time and place. It was magic for them at that moment. Right. And so they have the great memories and they just never cared about anything new. And yep. that's fine. Yeah. The other thing is, is that you had people even through the 90s, the 
the expanded universe really kind of kicked off in the late 80s. Right. With the Timothy Zahn books. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of those same fans, the original fans, that they didn't care anything about the books. And then it wasn't just that they rejected Star Wars when it got to new movies. It was just that the books were never Star Wars to them either. Right. And then there were the people who, the original movies and the books, that was it. That was Star Wars. Right. And so... And then the prequels happened and they were like... Right. And of course, the big division was when Disney bought it. And said the expanded universe is no longer canon. The problem is the expanded universe never was canon. Right. And I say that as someone who loved the expanded universe. Right. But George Lucas had always acknowledged it as, yes, it exists. It's fine. But if I ever want to write anything in those time slots and it's different. I get to trump you. Then yes, then mine is what's canon. That upset a lot of people. I'm with you. I, I think the question is... It's really interesting. Are you Star Warsing wrong? Is is it valid to say I I don't like this or I don't accept that or this is the only thing that counts to me? And I mean, I think that's as valid as anything else. Um, but I think it's also in order to say that doesn't feel like Star Wars to me. I think you also have to be willing to acknowledge that it is to other people. Yeah, you know, for well, all that's... the people who were bent out of shape and who felt like. The prequels just didn't count. And now those of us who were kids when they came out are adults. And all of a sudden there's all the love for the prequels going around because that was Star Wars to us. Um, and, and, and it had that same magic that it had for our parents whenever they were teenagers. So I think really what all this, what, what the idea of are you Star Wars and wrong really boils down to is this. Love the things you love. Love them the way you want to love them and let other people do the same. So it's this idea of, I think that the natural human direction with these, with, with most things in life is when you love something, you want other people to love it too. The way you love it. Maybe, but it, it, it really, what I think it boils down to is express the things that you love, share them with other people, but also accept the fact that they don't have to love it just like you do. It's this, I think that we've seen a shift socially of wanting to share things we love and wanting other people to love them too and love them just as much as we love them. Right. Which is, which is a good thing. Right. To wanting to, to hating something and wanting other other people people to hate it it just just as much as as we hate it. And so again, love the things you love and hate the things you hate. That's fine too. And, um. Don't tell somebody else that they're not a fan because they love it differently than you do. For sure. I think that most Star Wars fans can agree that we want to see the thing that we all love thrive. Yes. And the way for that to happen is to accept the fact that we all love this thing. Right. And that should be what bonds us. Not that we love it differently, but that we all love it. Or that we love different things about it. Right. And dislike different things about it. There has to both be room for criticism and for sharing the things you love about it. So there you have it, Scarab. That's our two cents for the question, are you Star Warsing wrong? Thanks for having us and may the force be with you.
Yeah, I and I wrote an article on that a long time ago. Uh, you know, how much does canon matter? Um, and that's probably two or three years ago I wrote that article. What people need to remember, what they seem to forget, is it's fiction, folks. It's fiction. You know, it's it's a story that's put out there for all of us to to love and enjoy. And I think we put too much stock into the word canon. We put too much meaning on the word canon. From a technical perspective, everything that Disney's putting out right now is what is technically canon. And yes, I am a sucker, so I will buy every single piece of uh, literature or media that they put out because I have to have all the canon in my head. I think official is better word than canon. That is the official story. Uh, what is canon is what is in your head, you know. So in that 30 years between the Return of the Jedi and the Force Awakens, if you want to believe that Luke Skywalker still fought the Yuuzhan Vong army, and you know that that helped to make him bitter uh, in the last, then, then by all means believe that. If you think that Rey and Kylo should have a relationship, then then so be it. Oh. I don't think it's going to end that way, but if that's what you believe, then so be it. I think we, uh, we put too much emphasis on the word canon. It's fiction. You know, go back. There are so many good expanded universe uh, stories out there. You know, just read those and enjoy those. They're about a galaxy far, far away. So just enjoy each story for what it is and just enjoy the characters and enjoy the experience and stop focusing on what's canon and what's not canon. Wow, Brad, that is a controversial statement. That's what I'm here for. There was a, there was a question that you sent to me a little uh, a day or two ago about how many deaths are acceptable. In oh yeah, so I Charlie yeah, I did want to talk about that one too. So, guys, we got another question from one of our listeners. Uh, I think he's a new uh, follower, Charlie Skywalker. Uh, great name. He is D Blake Jr. Seven on Twitter, and uh, he's got a really great question. He posed the question. He says, uh, "Thought it would be fun to discuss what is the no- the total number of deaths acceptable for Episode Nine? One death, two, or three, or more?" Follow up, who would you be okay with losing? I propose three two original character three to two original characters and one from the new generation, Leia, Lando, and either Kylo or Poe. This does not include finally defeating Palpatine. Hope you enjoy the question. Thank you very much, Charlie Skywalker. He's got, uh, he wants a, a death count uh, in episode nine, huh? What, uh, Brad, what do you think? Well, that is a great question, and I appreciate the question. Uh, I don't want to go political on this, uh, but I don't think it's about the number of deaths, and I'll, I'll provide a little more insight. Don't worry, I'll back my answer up. I don't think it's about the number of deaths per se, as long as each and every single death has meaning to it. It's a trap. Killing off characters just for the sake of killing off characters is useless. And it doesn't make for good drama or good storytelling. And I don't think J.J. is going to do that necessarily. Um, but just because this is the last episode 
doesn't mean that you have to clean the slate, so to speak, you know, kill off a bunch of characters. Now, if a bunch of characters die, but it's with meeting, then so be it. If they go out in a blaze of glory, then so be it. I personally think, you know, people even talk about the Millennium Falcon as a character, which I'm completely okay with. I can see I can call the Millennium Falcon a character. I do believe that Lando and Chewie will probably go out in a blaze of glory on the Falcon. And I'm okay with that as long as it has meaning, not just to put it in there, but if they do something that helps the resistance, uh, helps take down the First Order, bring back the Republic, then that's fine. I'm, I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with Lando and Chewie dying that way. In fact, I don't think Chewie would even mind dying, so to speak, because he misses Han. You know, that was, you know, whatever phrase you want to give it, you know, Han was his life partner and he tragically lost him. So I don't think, you know, I think Chewie has resolve and I think he'd be fine with it. And Lando has lived a very good, long, exciting life. Um, He probably should have died, you know, before episode four, uh, based off what happened in Solo. So, you know, he has no complaints. I don't have a number. I don't have a top number as long as each one has meaning. As far as Kylo, I think he said not defeating Palpatine, but I think Kylo will probably sacrifice himself. I think that's how he's going to finally get his, you know, as he sees it, his redemption. I think he will sacrifice himself, uh, making even more parallels to the return of the Jedi and his parallels to Vader. I think he will sacrifice himself for the greater good uh, near the end of the movie. I think there will definitely be a parallel uh, to Luke in Return of the Jedi. Um, He will definitely be able to... He does seem like he's on the road to sacrificing himself for the greater good. Getting back to your uh, Millennium Falcon Chewbacca uh, comment, uh, the Millennium Falcon definitely survives because it's at Galaxy's Edge. I don't know if you saw that. It's it's well, parked yeah. in Galaxy's Edge. There it is. Well, yeah, but th- those stories are from Batu, so that could have been from any time. <laughs> I get your humor. Uh, I think that's just, I don't think that's the real one, though. I think that's a replica, but I'm not sure. I want Chewie to live forever, though, but... Uh, <laughs> Admiral Akbar, I'm looking at you, bud. Oh, rest in peace. We're not going to Akbar Gate. We've already covered Akbar Gate. <laughs> Let me just remind you guys that we also have a Facebook page. The Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast is on Facebook. We like to post uh, pictures of ourselves recording and all the weird and funky Star Wars things that we like to do. So it's uh, facebook.com slash scare of scuttlebutt podcast. Go and check it out. Go and uh, follow us there. Become a friend. Become an ally to the scare of scuttlebutt podcast. If you guys have an opportunity, if you guys are on Facebook, follow us on Facebook. Scare of scuttlebutt podcast. That's where we will be. 